The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Rogers News. But the, the, the choice is there. And ultimately, this is about choices. Um, what kind of society do we want to live in? What kind of world do we want to live in? What kind of region do we want to live in? We talk a lot as well today about regionalization. There's a profound opportunity for regionalization in the Middle East, in the greater Middle East, that we have not had before. That was U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken speaking at the World Economic Forum in Davos. The crisis in the Red Sea, Gaza and Ukraine are all weighing heavily on the minds of attendees. But despite these risks, are business leaders hopeful about the future? And what are they saying about another possible Trump presidency? Stay tuned for this week's Views Room. Welcome back to The Views Room, a podcast from Reuters Breaking Views, where columnists from around the world talk about the big stories of the week. I'm your host, Amy Donlan, coming to you from London. The great and the good of the business and political world have convened in Davos this week. Like previous years, some of the biggest politicians like Joe Biden have given it a pass, but there are plenty of big names attending, and my colleague Peter Tal Larson, global editor of Breaking Views, is on the ground. Peter, you're very welcome back to the Views Room. Hey, Amy. Good to talk to you. Too. So I would imagine it's cold and snowy, um, but I know, Peter, you have been to Davos many times before. And I'm just curious, given how much is going on in the world, the risks that, that are probably on the minds of many business leaders, how does it compare to, to other years? As in, what are... What are, are people hopeful? Are they optimistic? Are they are they quite concerned? I'm just sort of, yeah, what is the what's the mood like? Um, well, I think what's what's interesting and possibly different this year from previous years is 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 that, you know, quite often what happens is you, in the start of start of January, all these, you know, world leaders, corporate executives, financiers and their entourages come up the mountain to Davos and sort of have this conference where they try and talk about the big issues in the world. and 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 then and then occasionally sort of the re, the outside reality of the world intrudes. Um, and I think what's different this year is actually the outside reality of the world has kind of been intruding all along. Um, I mean, just you know, uh, um, the, the Ukraine war, for example, is still a very live issue here. Um, and uh, Vladimir Zelensky, the 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 the, the, um, the Ukrainian president, um, has had a big presence here, made big speeches, seen you know, met with other world leaders. Um, and so there's a there's definitely a, a, an attempt to try and keep Ukraine sort of on the agenda at a time where it might be slipping down the priorities in the US and, and Europe and elsewhere. And obviously questions over funding Ukraine. So that's one thing that's intruded. The other thing that's obviously intruded is is what's happening in the Middle East and particularly um, in the Gulf, um, you know, with, with the sort of disruption to, uh, the, 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 you know, the, the rocket attacks on, on ships in the Gulf and the disruption to shipping. Um, I think that's something that's, that people are keeping a nervous eye on. So I think to a greater extent than usual, there is more uh, sort of recognition and, and realisation of what is going on in the outside world uh, and, and distracting people from talking about other things. And I mean, you wrote a piece before you went to Davos um, about a certain person who was looming large over this meeting, uh, which was obviously Donald Trump, who is running for to be US president. Um, since you wrote that piece, he has won the Iowa caucus. 
Um, but I think you were kind of talking in that piece about the, you know, that obviously if he becomes president, the outcomes of many things that you're talking about, you know, Ukraine, uh, the situation in Gaza, that they actually could, there, there could be very different outcomes than what we're seeing at the moment. Um, what are people kind of, are, are, is this, is Trump a topic that is being discussed by either panels or, you know, sort of in, in side rooms that, are, is this, uh, are, 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 how are business kind of thinking about this? Yeah, so it's, so it's funny because obviously Trump's name does not appear anywhere on the official agenda for Davos or in any of the, you know, the official sessions. He's obviously not attending. Um, and so, so but, but he is sort of looming over things. And the reason he's looming over things is because um, obviously people are wondering about the outcome of the election, um, you know, which is now 10 months away. Um, but as you say, the, the, the it, you know, there's a sort of there's a, the, the question mark is if he were, if he returns to the White House, how will that affect many of the issues that are being discussed here? So, for, so Ukraine is obviously the obvious example. Um, I mean, Trump hasn't specifically sort of said what he would do with Ukraine, but but the assumption is that he would be more pro-Russia, um, more favor favor Russia, and definitely not favor more funding for Ukraine. So that would have a big effect on the balance of power there. Um, the Middle East, again, it's unclear. Uh, Trump has historically been very sort of, um, you know, when his first term in office, he was he was quite sort of uh, belligerent towards Iran, for example. Um, you know, so that might change. Um, but also some of the other bigger issues, you know, climate change. You know, Trump pulled, Trump pulled the U.S. out of the Paris Agreement. Joe Biden put them back in. Joe Biden has been sort of, you know, and through, through investments at home and things like that, has been, um, you know, the, the Inflation Reduction Act has been subsidizing a lot of green investments and so one of the big questions here is is what would trump do with that would he would he dismantle those subsidies that actually created lots of jobs often in places where lots of people support donald trump um or would he would he continue it so i think it's hard to say what the outcome would be and obviously i mean you know trump is unpredictable at the best of times but i think it does there, there is this question mark here there a lot of things, which is that a lot of things could change depending on what happens with the election in November. And that sort of adds to the sense of uncertainty. Absolutely. And I mean, you mentioned, the, you know, what is going on in, in the Middle East and, you know, the Red Sea. I mean, we're seeing daily stories about attacks on tankers and what, you know, the oil sector, what big oil majors are, are thinking about it and how they're kind of trying to work around it. But yet the, the market seems quite sanguine about about this threat and whether it will actually increase inflation or um, how it might impact, you know, companies that make, you know, drugs like pharmaceutical companies or or any of the, the big retailers that like they're all relying on this route. And, and, and so far, um, investors don't seem to be that that concerned about it. What what is the sense that you're getting when you talk to people about that issue issue there? Is there. Is there almost like a timeline that they think if this, does, if this if the issue isn't resolved by a certain amount of time, it will become an issue yeah. or, yeah, I'm sort of curious how people think about that. It clearly is an issue. And I think, I mean, if you start with, with the situation as it is now, um, where, you know, roughly speaking, 50% of the shipping traffic um, that was going through the Suez Canal is now not going through the Suez Canal. Um, so that, that, that is a disruption. Um, I think it's interesting that people, people are, the reason people are fairly sanguine about that is, is partly because they've been through the experience of COVID. And so if you think about the adjustments that have taken, already taken place to supply chains, about the fact that companies are managing their inventories um, 
more with an eye on sort of potential disruptions that there's you know they're diversifying their sources of production they're they're trying to produce you know or at least have options for producing things more locally i think um i spoke for example to the ceo of a of a of a, of a sort of big uh, european industrial company who said you know actually we if it hadn't, if it wasn't for the pandemic, then then this would be difficult. But actually, we learned a lot of lessons in the pandemic, which means that we can manage it. But that's but that is as things stand. Um, yeah. The other thing, I would, two, two other things I would say about this is one is that nobody really knows how this gets resolved because obviously we've had the the US and the UK, um, uh, uh, you know, putting launching airstrikes on the Houthis. Um, that told most several people here. That was very much a last resort um, in terms of trying to address this issue, but it nobody really seems to be convinced that it will stop the the issue that make it will make the Red Sea safer. So nobody quite knows how that ends. Um, so it could could drag on for a long time. The other issue, though, I think, then this is sort of the the thing that would really give people would really cause a problem, is if it was to escalate, and particularly if it was to escalate. Um, uh, and it was to uh, affect um, the you know, the flow of oil around the world um, and through the involvement of Iran, then we'd be in a totally different then we'd be in a totally different situation. So, and you know, and that would mean higher oil prices, more inflation. It would mean make it harder for central banks to lower interest rates. It would have you know it would have all kinds of effects on the world economy. That hasn't happened yet, and I think people think as things stand at the moment. It's a, it's a, it's an inconvenience, but it's manageable. But, mm -hmm. but there is a, there is that concern about escalation. Absolutely. And Peter, what else is, what else are you kind of hearing on the ground? Is there, are, are there kind of interesting nuggets that you've heard on, on various panels or conversations that you've had with different business leaders that, that see, you know, that are kind of raising kind of interesting themes? Um, I think it's. I, I, I don't, unlike in previous years, I don't think there's any sort of like, there are a few clear overriding themes. I mean, there are some things, you know, the, the, clearly the discussion about artificial intelligence is, is pervades the whole conference and, and um, uh, is being talked about a lot. I'm not, not, not sure necessarily that people are learning very much new about artificial intelligence, <laughs> but everybody's talking about it. And it's definitely sort of replaced crypto as the sort of, you know, the hot tech topic. Um, of Davos. Um, the other thing that is is quite useful is um, or quite interesting is um, is sometimes is, is to is to just walk up and down the promenade um, at Davos, which is the sort of the main strip here, the, the main road. And what happens here is that um, companies and and governments uh, take over uh, shop fronts and then sort of use that as a kind of almost as a as a as a you know storefront advertising on the street advertising to um to advertise their their wares and then they host meetings and parties and panels and things like that. And it's always quite interesting to see who is spending the money, because it's it's a lot of money, to um to, to, to build one of those shop fronts. And this year, um you have, you know, you have the big US tech companies, you have Meta, you have Salesforce, um, you have Google. So they're they're, they're all there as 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 before. Um, but uh, I would say that the, the striking thing is that the people who are out in much greater force than in the past are a, the Indians. I mean, I think there are, I believe there are five different Indian states that have uh, have got their own sort of shop front in Davos and are trying to attract investment to those states, which is a really a reflection of, you know, the way supply chains are shifting, the way India is trying to attract manufacturing from other countries, particularly China. Mm. And then the other big, the other big presence is, is from the Middle East, particularly the Gulf. So 
the Saudis, uh, the UAE, the Qataris, Bahrain, you know, all of those, all of those places are also um, uh, really kind of, they've got a very big presence in Davos this year, which gives you some indication of how the sort of the power in the world economy is shifting and where the sort of the growth and the, uh, uh, the sort of the investment opportunities and the investment dollars are coming from. Yeah. I mean, it was interesting to kind of go back to what you were saying, Peter, at the beginning about how, you know, that Davos tends to kind of, you know, be this, I, I guess it's sort of insulated from everything that's going on in the world, but actually, you know, the, the, the risks of the world are very much present and are being acknowledged. But I, I suppose, you know, you've said this before about Davos is that, you know, the, the disclaimer on this, this gathering is that they can often be wrong, what people, what, what actually goes, the discussions that are there often go the wrong way. Do you think that, that there is a, a danger of that this year? I mean, I wouldn't say that. Uh, I wouldn't say they're often wrong. I would say they're almost always wrong. Has um, <laughs> been kind. Um, it is. I mean, it is. It is the most extraordinary example every year of of groupthink. Um, you know, and people come up the mountain and they sort of talk to each other, and by the end of the week, people have sort of sort of talked themselves into a consensus about something. Um, and I mean, sometimes that's right. But sometimes it's really, really wrong. And, um, uh, you know, and, and Trump is Trump is a good, ex really good example of the sort of how the Davos group think can be wrong. So if you go back to 2016, um, when Trump was 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 running for 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 election, people who came to Davos and suggested that he would be the Republican nominee, let alone win the election, were literally laughed at. Um, so, you know. The, the consensus in 2016 was it was nowhere near to being president. Ten months later, obviously, he won the election. Um, in 2017, after he'd won the election, the Davos consensus was that he was going to be a, you know, he shouldn't take too seriously all the stuff he said on the election trail. He's a pragmatist. He was going to be, you know, he was going to surround himself with clever people. He wanted to do deals. He would be good for business, et cetera, et cetera. And so, and again, really sort of underestimating the, the sort of serious aspects of, of the Trump presidency, particularly sort of trade wars and stuff. Um, and then in 2020, everybody was absolutely convinced that he, Trump would win re-election easily at the end of that year. Obviously, then COVID came, came along, another thing that, Trump, that, that Davos completely failed to foresee, um, and, uh, and Trump lost the election. So I think it's just an important reminder that um, people who come out of Davos with speaking with great certainty about things that are going to happen in the future, just just a reminder that the track record is is really not very good. Not great. Well, um, Peter, it sounds like you're enjoying it there anyway, and plenty of plenty of people to meet. So thank you so much for taking the time to chat to us. Thanks, Amy. Great to catch up. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast was produced by Oliver Tashlich in London. Subscribe to The Views Room and our sister podcast, The Exchange, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. Catch up with our latest views and much more on BreakingViews.com and on X, where our handle is at BreakingViews. I'm Kim Vanell. Join me every morning for a roundup of what's happening at home and around the world. From the front line in Ukraine. Extraordinary how these people adjust and uh, even laugh when you take cover.
to the heart of U.S. politics. When Trump said that he expected to be arrested, it seems like he was trying to get ahead of the story. We bring you everything you need to know in 10 minutes. For your essential daily briefing, follow Reuters World News wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.